0: Hello and welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. I'm Holly Rubenstein. I'm a travel and entertainment journalist. And here each week, I'll be speaking to a very special guest about the seven chapters in their life's travel diaries. From their earliest childhood travel memory and the first place they fell in love with, to their hidden gem and what's at the top of their travel bucket list. We'll be uncovering their adventures around the world and the travel experiences and destinations that have shaped their lives. Today I'm joined by the nation's favourite maitre d' and TV personality Fred Syriex. Having worked in Michelin-starred restaurants both in France and the UK, Fred rose to fame back in 2013 on Channel 4's BAFTA-winning matchmaking show, First Dates, greeting nervous daters with his warmth, charm, and philosophical musings, of which you'll hear many coming up. Now he's become known for his TV globe trotting too as the presenter of Remarkable Places to Eat on the BBC and spending months at a time travelling with his pals Gordon Ramsay and Gino DeCampo on ITV's Gordon, Gino and Fred's Road Trip series. Fred's travel diaries take us from Italy and Monaco to Paris and Peru. He reminisces about life growing up in Limoges, France, and how he became the ultimate Anglophile. We reveal which Caribbean island he escapes to every year, what it felt like plunging into an ice well in Lapland, and he uncovers what goes on behind the scenes with the making of first dates. How do they match these couples so perfectly? I really wanted to know. So all that and more coming up on The Travel Diaries. Fred Syriax, welcome to The Travel Diaries. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
1: I'm very well, Ollie. It's lovely to speak to you today.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. On this snowy day, have you got some snow where you are today?
1: Yeah, I have some snow and I was just looking outside the window. It's kind of this annoying snow, you know, where it's just going to bother us, you know, and, and and stop us from going about our daily business. But um, mm-hmm. I don't think there's going to be enough snow for us to play and have fun in it. And that's the annoying thing about that snow today. But it's so cold.
0: So cold. It's kind of transporting me to... The winter destinations that I'm not able to make it to this year, like some snowier climbs making up for not being able to go to the slopes.
1: Yeah, I love skiing. I mean, you know, before Christmas, I was with uh, Gordon and Gina. We went to Lapland. And uh, the snow there is just amazing. And there's so much of it. And um, you you can play in the snow, you can have, you know, uh, um, a sleigh ride, you know, with the dogs, you can ski, you can do everything. But here, unfortunately, I remember, you know, when I was a boy, I mean, I live in Limoges, which is in the center of France. This is where I grew up.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: a bit further from my house, uh, my auntie and uncle were living in a place called Emoutier, which was quite high up in the hills. And in the winter, there would be snow there. And uh, sometimes they used to go to work with their ski. They used to cross country and um that was so fun in the winter for them.
0: Yeah, we don't really get that kind of experience here. I I bet you miss that being in the UK now.
1: Well, you know, I love being in the UK and, and I love uh the life here. Um it was a different life at the time, you know, and um I think that we have to just take take time for for what it is and enjoy the moment for what it is and and I think that we don't want to look back too much you know and 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 be kind of reminiscing all the time about how great the past is've we've, we've got to enjoy the present and uh, and make the most of it that's, mm. that's my motto anyway.
0: That's a great philosophy to live by and something I try and do as well. But sometimes it's harder to do, it's easier said than done sometimes, isn't it? Especially in these kind of circumstances.
1: Yes, it is. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's our responsibility. You know, it's our, um, it, it, it's, it, it's up to us really to condition our mind and to think in the way that we want to be thinking, to be positive, to be happy. And, um, you know, we really owe it to ourselves um, to make the efforts, to be disciplined and to be focused so that we can be as happy as we want to be. And and I think that's within every single one of us to do that.
0: I knew that talking to you today would put me in a good mood.
1: <laughs> oh, good. good.
0: So, so we're going to go on a journey through the seven chapters of your life's travel diary so far. We'll start right at the beginning. That's chapter one, which is your earliest childhood travel memory.
1: When you first contacted me about the podcast, I was thinking about that and I was thinking about different places where I have been mainly with my parents
0: mm-hmm.
1: because up to the age of 16 I was living at home and then I left home at 16 um, but really there isn't a single place really that I can really talk to you about Um it's rather a collection of places because we used to go on holiday every single year with my parents we used to go in the summer we used to go in the winter Mm-hmm. and uh, in the summer we used to go to the atlantic coast or to the mediterranean coast my parents had their favorite spots and in the winter uh, we used to go skiing sometime in the massif central which is mm-hmm. not really high up and you can do downhill but not as good as the alps and other times we used to go to the alps to ski and uh, my mom used to say a week in the snow is much more invigorating and relaxing than two or three near the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, it's because when you are, you know, when we were skiing and we were in the Alps and you'd be skiing all day long from the morning to the night, uh, because you're so physically active and the fresh air in the mountain, which is much purer and much, much, um, much more full of oxygen, would have a very positive Uh, benefit impact on your body and when you come back to ground level where we were living in uh, in Limoges you know you felt the benefits straight away and uh, because we were active all the time you know it just kind of gives you that boost of energy and it made you feel so much better. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, On last week's episode with Hugh Fernley-Whittingstall he was talking about how he goes cold water swimming every day and it reminded me of your Christmas special with Gordon and Gino when you went in the ice when you were up in Lapland the ice swimming that so that the the cold really invigorates people doesn't it it's it's so therapeutic
1: it does I mean this is just different from skiing with all the layers on you know and as much as you get cold and your feet get cold and frozen you know there you get completely frozen and I'll tell you something we were the three of us were really apprehensive in going into this water and especially the swim after going in the uh, ice well. But actually after I had done it I felt so good and I could feel the I mean on on the very moment and and after I come out of this water I was just freezing. My body just seized up, my legs were in pain. I was really in pain. Yeah. But after we went to sauna and we warmed up and especially the next day I could feel that my body was healing. Because I do a lot of sports, you know, and I'm always active. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting on a little bit now. I'm 49, but I'm still doing sports as if I am 20 years old. I, mm. haven't, I haven't slowed down. And um, actually, the next day, my body felt better. I felt less pain. And I couldn't wait to go back in the water. But unfortunately, we were going to another place, and we couldn't do it anymore. But that really mm. did very well for me. And um, that, did, that did me a world of good. And I can't wait to do it again, to be honest with you.
0: Hmm, That's fascinating. So you grew up in Limoges, as you said. So what was life like there? Can you kind of paint a picture of what Limoges is like?
1: Limoges is a very um, quiet town. It's in the centre of France. It has a very rich history. It's said to be uh, a city of rebels. We used to fight against the English in the Hundred Years' War um in the second world war um limoges and, and the surrounding areas was called little russia because of the resistance there which actually started in limoges and one of the local leaders um georges gangouin was actually born near limoges and was was the person who actually started the resistant movement uh against nazi germany when they invaded mm-hmm. france so we've got this history there it's full of woods so it was very um it was a good ground for the resistance to be hiding in the hills and in the woods um, um it's it, it's it's a city that's about 200,000 inhabitants sadly there hasn't been many much industry there so it's not as developed as it could be uh, it's very green and it's the place that i come from I, I i love it there i love the the quietness and um that sense of you know when you go back i go back to my roots and I love going around there with my parents, discovering new places. And there's always new new restaurants or new new stuff to go and, and see.
0: And your parents were both nurses, is that right?
1: Yeah, my parents were both nurses. We were living about 500 metres from the hospital where they were working. So um, they were walking to work. So I always felt like my parents never actually worked. Uh, because my mum was um, working during the day, my dad was working at night. And by the time my mom was back, my, mom, my dad was going to work. So it's as if my dad never worked because when, whenever I got up in the morning, he was there. And whenever I was going to bed, he was there already as well. <laughs> so um, it was a very happy childhood uh, with my brother uh, going on holiday. And, uh, you know, we were living near, uh, near woods and fields. So when you're a kid, you know, you go and play in the woods. You make uh, cabins in the, in the trees and in the woods there and play with your friends. It was a very lovely, happy childhood.
0: And you said something that I thought was really lovely, which was that as your parents both were working as nurses, that they showed you the meaning of hospitality, which then influenced your career.
1: Yes, I think, I mean, look, hospitality is... uh, the basis of hospitality is the same everywhere you go. And there are no advanced level. It's all about the basics. And for my parents working in hospital, you know, they were looking after their patients. And they used to say to me very, very often, I mean, they still say to this day, you know, we used to look after patients, um, but you look after customers, but it's exactly the same. The difference with you is that you look after people when they are feeling good and they are happy and they're having a good time. Whereas we you look, we used to look after people where where they were in pain and dying. Um, but at the end of the day, what we were what we were there to deliver is the best experience for the patient to make sure that they have a good time while they are receiving the care, and that was their their motto, that was their ethos, and they cared deeply about their patient, but about their work. Their work ethic was incredible,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and for them, it was about working as a team, delivering as individual, um, but of course, you know, it's it's about delivering that great care and delivering on your promise. And that's what hospitality, that's what service is about. And for me, you know, I, I made the connection very early on because they used to talk about their work at the kitchen table every single day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I got very inspired by that. I got very motivated. And those values, those principles, um, they stuck with me throughout my career, and they still drive me today.
0: Mm, that's amazing. And what led to your move to the UK? Why did you leave France?
1: Well, after I finished my catering in college, um, I wanted to, you know, I, I as a teenager, I was sp- spending a lot of my time living inside my head, living in English. And mm-hmm. um, I love writing poetry at the time I remember in English. Um, I love playing the uh, guitar in front of the mirror, listening to ACDC and, and other mm-hmm. bands that I loved. Mm-hmm. And I just loved the idea of living my life in English. You know, I was I was pretty good in English as a student mm-hmm. and I was making connection with the country and a friend of mine was working there and living there and he said to me, Well I can get you a job in one of the best restaurants in the UK, which was La Tante Claire at the time. Mm-hmm. And um I said yes, because I just wanted to live in England and when I arrived and I got off the ferry, I felt at home straight away straight away really? I felt home. yeah never felt like i was a foreigner you know that people were looking down on me i felt accepted straight away in the country and in the way of life and um, in a way i think that people loved the french people uh then because we were seen as exotic you know we were speaking like that we were coming up with these uh, funny comments all the time that people found refreshing and exciting and um i always found friends and um and, and 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 the relationship I had with everybody was fantastic, and I, I I don't regret it for one second. It was just amazing. It was the best move I made.
0: Oh, that's so nice to hear. Well, chapter two then is the first place that you fell in love with. What was it? Getting off that ferry.
1: The first place I fell in love with, really, I think, was Monte Carlo. Um, I did a season there as a waiter at the Flying Squad, which was called the Brigade Volante. Uh, in Monte Carlo during the summer, and I had one of the the very best summers of my life there, uh, working and living in Monte Carlo. The the flying squad was a squad where you could be working, for example, at a Monte Carlo beach hotel in the morning to set up the restaurant. Then lunchtime would be at the Monte Carlo beach, and dinner time would be in the exotic restaurant underneath the. Um, the Salle des Etoiles, which was the big conference room there uh, where they used to be function for a thousand, two thousand people. And you know, in Monte Carlo, everything is magic. So when you work at La Salle des Etoiles, you know, for example, where they do the, the Red Cross ball every year, the roof of the Salle des Etoiles opens up and suddenly you can see the sky. And it's so beautiful because it's mm-hmm. the south of France, it's warm. And every single day you had fireworks. That was just a life there. Every day you had fireworks. It was just an incredible, magical place. And the people that you met there, be it your colleagues or the dancers or the artists and performers um, that were there because we were all part of the entertainment act there, uh, was just fantastic.
0: Well, it sounds wonderful. And do you go back still now?
1: I went back um, about a year ago. I took fruitcake, my partner. Fruitcake
0: is your fiance.
1: Yes, uh, for uh, for a weekend, and um, it was great to go back and see the the places where I worked as a as a young teenager, and uh, some of the people I work with. It was it was a fantastic experience. It was great to go back down memory lane.
0: Hmm. Well, and speaking of falling in love, obviously, we we have to talk about the wonderful first dates, which I think kind of maybe alongside the Great British Bake Off are like the two shows that are just like a big warm hug whenever you watch them. So you act, obviously, I'm sure most people tuning in already know as keeper to the nation in your role as a maitre d' at the restaurant. And I mean, my favourite part of the show is the end, actually, when you get to see how everyone's romances pan out. And I'm always blown away by how well-matched everyone seems to be. So I just kind of wondered, like, do you know, how do they get get it so spot on always?
1: Well, we we do a lot of research. So we interview people, we ask them questions, and um, we we leave no stone unturned. And um, every Mm -hmm. time we match somebody up with somebody else, we write a dossier about why we are matching them up and what are the reasons why we think it's going to be a success. What do they have in common? And, wow. and that's what it's about. You know, it's about. It's about hard work. You know, in life, when you think about you know, uh, what, what are the reasons for success, it's hard work. It's hard work, it's the focus, it's that discipline. And every single data gets the same treatment Uh, in terms of the research and then when the research is done and this is why when people come to the restaurant they feel confident and they feel that we're going to deliver because you know we do the research and you know we deliver on our promise now at the end of the day it's about chemistry and people either you know have get on they, they they find the magic in each other or they don't but on paper it works
0: Mm -hmm. obviously there have been some huge successes that have come out of it babies marriage i mean how does that make you feel having been a part of something like that
1: it's great but you know the the thing that's great about being part of first aid is that it's positive positive it's a feel good it's a feel good show um and we do it for the right reasons and uh, certainly when we when when i was talking about getting involved with first aids it took me a while to decide whether I wanted to do it or not, because I wanted to make sure that First Date had its art in the right place. So I met everybody from the producers, the channel. uh, I watched a few of the episodes that they had done before um, I joined. And then I, you know, after all these meetings, I became convinced that it was the right thing to do. Uh, Because Mm -hmm. we are, you know, we are on this earth a very short time. And I think it's very important that you know, we make a difference. And whatever we do, we do good in this world. And I, and I really, and I, it's very, very important for me. And it's even more so important as I go older because I'm not going to get a chance to do it again. So whatever I do, I've got to make it good and I've got to have fun while I'm doing it. And mm-hmm. and I think it was the right choice, you know, with First Date. In fact, we are um, about to launch a new series called First Date Teens. I don't know if you've heard about it.
0: Oh no tell tell me more.
1: Oh it's just uh, it's a mini series um but basically it's teenagers from 16 to 19 years old and they come to the first date restaurant to have their very first date.
0: Oh how amazing.
1: It's brilliant and I tell you one thing when you watch it you go you go back down memory lane and you, it just takes you back to the time when you were a teenager and all the things that you did you know and <laughs> And it's just fascinating to see these teenagers uh, going through the exact same thing that we were going through when we were younger. And for some people, they're still going through the same thing, even though they are not teenagers anymore.
0: But how nice that they were able to be matched without. I mean, obviously, dating apps are fantastic for so many people. But I I feel quite lucky that my dating life didn't involve that because it was quite stressful. I love the idea that they're kind of being matched on not just on their appearance and that there was a kind of deeper research into how they were put together on the show.
1: Exactly. It's about, it's about the connection, but you know, with online dating, the thing is, I mean, I think it's online dating. It, it it's, it's not a bad idea per se, but I think that once you make a connection with somebody online and you have one chat, two chats, then that's it. You've got to meet because there's no point to keep talking online. You know, mm. you really can't get to know somebody properly and get to understand them. You need to meet them. You need to, you need to have that physical contact with them and, and be able to, to really get to know the, the people that you are dating.
0: So were, were the, the participants in this, in the new First Dates teen series, were they a bit shocked about having to kind of speak to each other face to face in real life?
1: No, no, they were not because um, we filmed with very strict protocol. They were not shot at all. Um, you know, no, I were... mean,
0: because they're so used, everyone's so used to kind of talking on WhatsApp and stuff.
1: Ah, um, no, well, some people were more at ease than others. I think that's just always the way. And whether it's teens or adults, so to speak, you know, on the first dates series, it's the same thing. Some people are more shy than others. Some people are more uh, introvert or extrovert than others. So at the end of the day, these teenagers are just like adults. And the adults are just like teenagers. It's just mm-hmm. that when you see teenagers, it's very refreshing. It's just so lovely. But it really takes you back to a, a long time ago.
0: Oh, I can't wait to tune in for that. Moving on then to chapter three. That is the place where you learned the most about yourself. Where would that be?
1: Again, you know, I was thinking, you know, when you, you contacted me about this 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 podcast, about what is the place, you know, what where where is that place where I most learned about myself? And I think that life is a journey and we learn things about ourselves all the time. We constantly learn, we constantly evolve. I think that we all have a responsibility to grow into a good person because we have two choices in life. You know, I think that, I mean, to put it very simply, either we're going to grow and turn into vinegar, you know, just like a, a wine turns into vinegar or we turn into this great, Uh, vintage wine that just gets Mm -hmm. better and better and better with age. All my travels, you know, I've had some amazing travels. I remember going to South America when I was 26 or 27 with a friend of mine. And we went um, up and down Chile. We crossed the border into Peru, we went up the Machu Picchu and drank a bottle of uh, Monceau de Velasco. Right? It was a Cabernet Sauvignon red wine up uh, on the Puerta del Sol. We know which is when you arrive there, the Machu Picchu is the Puerta del Sol is the, the highest point. And from there, you can see the, uh, the Machu Picchu. And basically the sun, when the sun goes up, the sun shines through that door. And we just stayed there and we run up. Uh, the Machu Picchu, ran up all the way there on this path, and just stop there and had a bottle of wine. That was an amazing memory.
0: Uh, the altitude obviously didn't uh, affect you too badly, then.
1: No, it was okay. No, I was fit. I was fit. I was like a, I was like a, a gazelle. I was <laughs> running all the time, you know. And it was my thing. I used to leave leave the house and some sometimes I'd come back three or four hours later for a run. Wow. I mean, That's at cool. the time, you know, you've got no children, no responsibilities. You can do whatever you want. <laughs>
0: Right now, our physical and mental health and wellness has never felt so important, has it? And there's one place that can help you to look after all three. Right in the heart of Mayfair, Lancerhoff at the Arts Club combines the best in fitness and medicine and is available to both members and non-members. The medical services offered by orthopedists, general practitioners and cardiologists are complemented by a team of physiotherapists, osteopaths and chiropractors who use pioneering analytics and equipment to create bespoke health and well-being plans. State-of-the-art medical technology like in-house MRI scanners and a spinal movement lab complement their holistic approach. Exclusive to the club's members are the gym, fitness classes, training with amazing personal trainers, as well as access to a members lounge with a range of healthy dishes based on the Lancerhoff energy cuisine. So head over to lancerhoff.com for more information about all of this and book your visit now.
1: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's
0: episode is supported by Airbnb. even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cosy retreat for fellow travellers? airbnb.co.uk forward slash host thank you to airbnb for supporting the travel diaries well moving on to chapter four that is your all-time favorite destination such a hard one for everyone to pick but which place stands out to you
1: well look um i have been very lucky to go in the last few years to jamaica every year and uh, I stayed in this wonderful hotel in 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 Negril called Sandals. And the GM there and his team always looks after me like a king. I mean, I can't tell you how they look after me. It's just incredible. And sadly, this year, because of the pandemic, there has been no travel. Actually, I actually had planned to go there this January. But, um, you know, there's no no point to go and travel at the moment because you don't know whether you're going to be able to go or what's going to happen when you come back. Yeah. But I love that place. You know, when you I, from a very um young age I have fallen in love with Bob Marley and Jamaica. I love the music of Bob Marley, I love the reggae, you know, when he sings Sun is shining, weather is sweet, makes me wanna dance my dancing feet, you know. Yeah. You yeah. walk on the beach in Negril, uh the sun is shining, you know, and you got the sea, the waves are coming and just washing the sand off your feet and you just understand why he was singing that and how he was singing it. You get it.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You
1: get that, that That everything is so soft there. You know, the, the sun, is, as much as it's hot, everything is soft, everything is easy. It's just pure bliss. You've got to go and you've got to try
0: it. Oh. I'm you've 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 convinced me. I, I'm dying to go. I've I've been to the Caribbean, but I haven't been to Jamaica, and it's an island I've always been really interested in because of that cultural element that just underpins the whole of of life there as well the the music as you say. So when you're there, h- how do you spend your days? Like how how do you pass the
1: time? Oh, it's, you just you know, there's no you have got nothing to do, so we're just here. We're just pure bliss is just all about you get up in the morning go and do a bit of sports have a big breakfast and really enjoy the breakfast go for a walk uh read a book uh swim in the sea then wonder what i'm gonna have for lunch <laughs> uh, you always meet somebody there or local and you have a wonderful conversation about the sunshine or about whatever whatever and um and that's it, really. That's just, that's just pure relaxation. Um, in fact, I've, I've wrote part of my book while I was on holiday, uh, Secret Service, a company I yeah. did that there, but I was so relaxed. I was on the beach and I've just wrote my book.
0: So <laughs> it, it gave you that kind of clarity of thought because you felt so relaxed.
1: Yeah, because, you know, you, you know, the, the, the thing, you know, when you, when you go on holidays to get away from it all really. And when you manage to do that, and I think it's finding a place where you can do that because sometimes we go on holiday and, you know, the, the, the place where we go are not really helpful in that in that way for somehow, somehow you know, or maybe it's because of the, the state of mind that we are in. But whenever I go to Jamaica, that's it. I'm disconnected and I'm there to enjoy myself and relax.
0: Fantastic. Well, I absolutely loved watching your Remarkable Places to Eat series on the BBC, which um, they're all on iPlayer if anyone is interested in tuning in, where you go with big names in food to their favourite cities to eat. Marrakesh, Edinburgh, Vienna, some of the cities. And I wondered which city would you pick for your ultimate foodie experience if you were taking people with you? Paris. Paris. Oh,
1: I love Paris. I miss Paris so much. You know, whenever I go to my parents in Limoges, I drive down to Limoges, you know, I always stop in Paris. And um, you just stay there for a couple of days. You just walk the streets randomly. You stop at a cafe and you have some oysters, a nice bottle of champagne. And you just stay there, sit down and watch the world go by. And, and there's nothing quite like Paris. I love the, I love the atmosphere in Paris. I love the way the people move. Um, I love the music you listen in Paris, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I love the gastronomy because it takes me back to my roots. And I love that, you know. I love the the bistros and the brasserie, eating all this beautiful classic food, or like a a, a baguette with uh, ham and cheese. You know, I love that. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just so you you go straight into that that French way of life that obviously I'm not living anymore because I am uh, I am living here in London, in the UK, but I am always French, and I love to go back to that and just, just to experience it, and, and I enjoy it so much. And you know what I love also? I love the conversations that I have with random people that I meet in the street or in the cafes, and we talk, and we get straight down to it, and we can talk for hours about anything. And invariably, it turns... It turns, you know, the conversation turns into the meaning of life and yeah. philosophy, and and I, and I love these conversations. I love them.
0: Are there is there a place in particular that you'd recommend for someone whose first trip it is to Paris to to go to visit?
1: I think that Paris is so beautiful. I think that there are, uh, I, you know. I I used to go to all the places where, for example, the Marais or Montmartre, you know. um, But what I have done recently is, uh, because I'm not from Paris and I don't know Paris like London, like the back of my pocket. So what I tend to do now, I just explore. I just randomly go to places and I walk the streets. Mm. I literally just walk the streets. And when I find, you know, because, you know, sometimes you think, oh, let me go to this restaurant or that restaurant that I know. But then I always go to the same places. Where I sometimes I just find a little bistro somewhere, and I just stop there, and I just can't believe how that place is, and I remember the last time I was in this bistro, and the food was just incredible, but I would have never found it if it wasn't for randomly walking the streets and you know there is a lot of there is a lot to say about just just exploring, exploring and letting life take you where it takes you, and things happen, things always happen. And that's for me, that's the exciting part of going to Paris because i you never know what's going to happen in paris. there is mm-hmm. a this word called l'imprevu um and what what is imprevu in French is something that's not planned, and I love right. that. I love yes. l'imprevu of Paris.
0: Uh, so as you say, that's uh, something to to really bear in mind because I think we could I can certainly fall foul of seeing so many different places on Instagram and online, reading about them, kind of filling up my itinerary so that I feel like I have to tick off everywhere that everyone's recommended to me. And actually just kind of putting all of that to one side and seeing where life takes you is not only more relaxing, but as you say, you uncover... Some hidden gems.
1: Exactly, exactly. I mean, last time I was there, no, not last time I was there, maybe a couple of years ago, I was there, I was walking the street and uh, I came across this uh, very old fencing school Mm. that dated back from the 17th century. Incredible. And I just walked in and it was so, I mean, this place, I mean, I can't tell you all these places and people were fencing. And I said, Hi. I said, What is this? And I said, This is a fencing school. And we started to talk. And oh sat my goodness! Watch them fence. It was incredible. It was all these old pictures on the wall, all these swords and whatever you call them, the fleuret and the epée and all that. Yeah. And I started to talk about fencing, which I have no idea about, but because I box, and fencing is a bit like boxing. I mean, this is something that you do on the line. Uh, the stance is relatively the same. It's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's about fighting, and I, and I really like the idea of fencing. And being French, I think I'm a, a master fencer, which obviously I'm not. <laughs> um, but I had the conversations with these people there and it was great. So, you know, I, I love to go into random places like that. I knock on the door and I go and talk to people. And, um, you know, when you're open and you're smiling and you're just inquisitive and, 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 and genuine, you know, with, with your questions, you know, people, uh, people will welcome you with open arms and, and I've only had good Good experiences doing that, and I've doing I've been doing that since, I mean, for for as long as I can remember.
0: So that was a hidden gem. Chapter five is your ultimate hidden gem. Can you tell us about a place that you love that maybe my listeners haven't heard of or don't know much about?
1: Well, I'm going to tell you about two places. Wonderful. Uh, one place is an hotel called Les Sirenuses in uh, Positano.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Which is... I mean, Positano is a beautiful, beautiful village. I mean, it's just just magical. Really, really beautiful. But Le Sirenuse is the most beautiful, luxurious hotel. Very old school, though. Very, very, very old school. Um, so it's in Italy. It's, it's run by the same family for, for decades now, since they opened this uh, this hotel. And the view... From your hotel room uh, in this hotel, you just see the whole village there on the hilltop. You can see the beach. And um, it's just just purely magical. You know, at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock, you know, when the chimes are ringing from the nearby church, I mean, you feel like you're in a movie. Yeah. You feel like you're in a movie. And when you, you know, when people tell you about La Dolce Vita. Yes. This is what it is. You are right in the center of La Dolce Vita. And if you want to, to really be in the middle of the Dolce Vita even more, you take a walk and you go down to the beach, there is this restaurant there called Cheblac, Black, which was opened in 1949. And this restaurant does the most beautiful local Italian food. And the Metro D there, Gianfranco, is the most accomplished, incredible Metro D, the most the most charming guy, very good looking, all the women who go there fall in love with him. And if you don't have a table, you ask him a table and he's going to say something to you and you just fall in love. And whether he gives you the best table of the house or the one in the corner, you will feel like a million dollars. And mm-hmm. if you go to Positano, you got to go to Les Serenus and you've got to go to Chez Black. These are incredible places.
0: Oh, great tip! But I'm actually planning to go to Positano this summer, so I am going to add sheer Black to the to the hit list. That sounds wonderful, and I'll say Fred. Fred told me to come here.
1: You can tell him. You can tell John Franco. And if you fall in love with him, don't say that I didn't warn you.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. So you uncovered loads of other um, hidden gems on your road trip series with uh, Gino and Gordon, which you know just are so fantastic. And I saw that it's been picked up for a couple more seasons, which is great. So so you've uncovered Europe, you've uncovered the US, uh, Lapland. So what destinations are you guys chatting about for the next next couple of seasons?
1: Look, the world is a big place and yeah, sure uh, um, there are so many places that we can go to. I've got so many interests. Uh, Gordon has a lot of interests. And so, so there's Gino. So at the moment, I can't really tell you where we are thinking about One of the destinations that we thought about, actually, we cannot go at the moment because of the pandemic. So we are at the moment talking and preparing our next trip.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, But we've got to keep it secret. I'm sure you can appreciate that. Oh,
0: yes. So Uh, you are in the stages of planning one at the moment?
1: We are planning one at the moment. Yeah, we are talking. How exciting. And um, I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult because of what's happening in the world. But uh, I don't think it's impossible, but uh, we just have to plan well. And it's always a balancing act about what we want to do there are things that I want to do that Gordon has no interest in and so does Gino and 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 the same works the other way so let's see let's see where we end up you know that trip in America you know when you were when I was telling you about my trip in Monte Carlo when when I was working and living there when I was 18 that was an amazing moment in my life and uh, I always look back at this moment with with a very fond memory but going to, when we went to America, I mean, it was almost two years now with Golden and Gino. When, when we finished the trip, I cried. I, I, I just cried. I was very emotional. And I thought to myself, you know, I can die now mm. because it was such a powerful, it was, it was like the stars aligned at that moment. It was, it was just the most beautiful trip. We, we had the most amazing time together. So, um, yeah, it was very special. I just can't tell you how special it was. I just can't tell you. Oh, it's just that's so incredible. Lovely.
0: Well, Chapter Six is your worst travel experience. Are there any places that stand out to you for the wrong reasons? No. I didn't think that there would be. But have you had any disasters
1: abroad? No, I mean, I do not have disasters. I mean, sometimes, you know. Uh, you go somewhere, and I remember once going to Dubai with my family, and we were separated uh, in the plane, and even though I booked the tickets, and, you know, I was working very hard, and I wanted to have everybody together, and I was sitting in one place, my children were in another, and I was I was mad, and I went to speak to the, the cabin crew, and very politely said, look, this is what's going on here, can we, and they and told me, you know, that they were going to move me, and look, and see what they could do, but... I knew because I know about customer service. They were just paying yes. relief service. They were not interested. And that made me mad. But I had a lovely time in Dubai. I stayed at the, uh, at the Hilton there with my friend who was a GM. I had a great time. But, you know, it, it, it would have been so easy for the cabin crew to say, look, there's nothing we can do. Very sorry. We're doing this. We're doing that. Or we'll try later on. But to be genuine about what they were going to do. But they didn't. And, um so sometimes maybe, or oh, you have a flat tire when you're driving somewhere, or your car breaks down, but this is just what happened in travel. This is life, but i don't I can't think of a place where the whole thing was a disaster, because again, it's not the way I live my life. yeah, you know, something is a disaster. I'm not going to be upset for two weeks because it's a disaster for two weeks. I'm going to be upset for five minutes, an hour, maybe half a day, and then I've got to move on do you know what i mean and i've got to have a good time and i've got to i've got to i've got to do the best with what i've got
0: and where is the first place that you'd like to go when we can travel again is there a place that's like you're going to head to you straight away
1: um the first place i'm going to go is my parents i want to go back and see my parents i haven't seen them now since july uh they came last year around january then we saw them in july and I want to go and see them and see how they are because they've been shielding. And the one after is Jamaica. I want to go to Jamaica. I mean, in July, in uh, in Jamaica, in Montego Bay, is the Sum Fest, which is basically the reggae festival there. Uh, I went there one year. It was fantastic. I'd love to go back again. Maybe in July, fingers crossed. Who knows? Oh,
0: brilliant. Well, I can't believe we're on to the final chapter of your Travel Diaries, Fred. And that is Chapter 7 which is the destination that is at the top of your travel bucket list.
1: Oh, my God. On (laughs) top of my bucket list. I mean, look, I'd love to go to Australia. I have never, ever been to Australia. Everybody uh, who talks about Australia just have the most wonderful things to say. They do. And uh, it's such a big country. There's so many things to see there, so many things I would like to experience. In saying that, I have never been to Thailand. I'd love to go to Thailand. i love the food of Thailand. And when I look at pictures of, of Thailand, you know, like Phuket, for example, and Bangkok, you know, it's just um, full of very, very exciting uh, things to do there. And, and I'd love to experience it.
0: So much vitality.
1: Yes. I mean, come on, let's just, let's just enjoy life for all life has to give us. Uh, because when it's gone, it's gone. We're not going to have another life. This is now or never.
0: Oh, what a great note to end on. Fred Siriex, those were your travel diaries. Thank you so much for transporting us all around the world today.
1: Thank you, Ollie. Thank you very much. Have a great day.
0: Ah, that was Fred Siriex. A lovely outlook on life he has, one to aspire to. Teen First Date starts on February the 22nd on E4 at 10 pm. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to hear future episodes as soon as they're released, remember to hit subscribe on your podcast app of choice. There's always the first three seasons to catch up on, from Michael Palin to Poppy Delavine and Serrano Fines to Rick Stein. To find out who's joining me on next week's episode, come and follow me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Rubenstein. I'd love to hear from you. And please share your own travel diaries using the hashtag #TheTravelDiaries Diaries on your own photos. I'll be resharing your own hidden gems, your own all-time favorites on my Instagram and here on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next week. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos visiting some places that have been on my bucket list and while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun my home will be hosting guests from airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb
2: for supporting the Travel Diaries. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.